Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. I hope everybody's doing well, and thank you so much for making a commitment to your learning. I am one of your hosts. I am Jordan Porter, joined by the amazing Yvonne Brandenburg. <laughs> Hi, girl. <laughs> Hi. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> are you feeling better compared to the other day when we recorded? Uh, yes. Like physically I am feeling better. This is the first morning I've woken up without like my face hurting. Oh, I Um, hate that dude. I'm glad you're feeling better. Oh man. (laughs) Now I'm remembering like, as I think about it, like my, I remember I woke up in the middle of the night and like my husband was like, Hey, how are you feeling? And I was like, I'm all right. Why? He's like, do you have a sore throat? And I was like, yeah, actually like, it's like really dry and like pretty sore um and then he was probably like you were snoring yeah he made a comment about how I was snoring really bad then he took a video but now that I think about it like I have yet to see this video Uh oh <laughs> uh, we won't like, post it onto our Facebook can't... page it's fine <laughs> <laughs> like you can't do stuff like this when I feel like garbage but it's like now it's funny that I'm just now remembering this conversation that I had That's- that's so funny. <laughs> I, did, I went to bed before him because like I fell asleep on the couch at like 7 30 and then like woke up at nine and went to bed. Um crazy. Apparently I needed the sleep, but I did wake up at 5 30 this morning and like was ready for the day. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, it's actually it's kind of funny because I remember we talked about how I slept. Like I fell asleep early and stuff like that. And I slept in almost the entire day on Saturday, which is crazy because I never, ever do that. Mm-hmm. And apparently I needed it. Um, but it's it's so great. Like we were kind of talking about this before. So it is spring. <laughs> spring has sprung in my neighborhood because all the cats are going insane outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I, dude, it there's so many boy cats in my yard right now. Just like singing the song of their people (laughs) and like chasing the girls around and I'm just like they're just go away um so I'm just glad that I've slowly been spaying and neutering things so not all of them are crazy in heat but like I've never seen these boy cats before this is the first time I've ever seen them so I'm just like go away please uh I just I just want like I want to set up like a trap neuter release in my backyard mm-hmm. right now because it's so bad. Um, See, all my stray cats that were around here are now missing. Oh, I had a cute little like black cat who I, I did see the little black kitten the other day, although I don't think it's a kitten. I weirdly enough think it might actually be a munchkin, but I don't think it was like bread on purpose kind of thing. Um... <laughs> like, um, uh, the it was coming to my garage and then a big I saw a big tabby cat come and like chased mm. off one day and then I didn't see the black cat again for weeks and then I saw it again the other day but it's being very very cautious now about how close it gets 
to the house whereas before as it it was coming into the garage and eating the dog food um (laughs) it's like i'll eat it yeah and (sighs) i fed it chicken one day and then i was like i shouldn't do that i don't want to attract more cats in the morning (laughs) right oh my god also i also don't want to give it the taste of chicken so it eats my chickens and so like um (laughs) did you give it raw chicken no, I gave well, it. Well, it's cooked like, chicken. Like it's definitely different than like chicken. Your chickens running around. No, <laughs> I don't really that want would a cat be really here. Sorry, I don't really. No, want you a cat don't need a cat because anyway. you're super allergic to them. So that's fine. And you have a gazillion dogs, so that's fine. You're and the crazy only... dog person. I'm the crazy cat person. We've already established this. <laughs> I am down to single digits, so in my dogs. Are you really? Yeah, I have eight now. You're down to eight. Yeah. Oh my god. Stop it. Well, you have other animals, so you're still ahead of me. It's fine. I did count the other day how many animals we do have. <laughs> oh um, no. Oh, and we haven't updated the podcast, so I got more creatures. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> I already told you. I bought quail. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, I bought quail, so not including the quail, though. I'm up to... I feel like you need to take pictures of all your like farm animals at some point and post them so people can see the crazy that's a good idea i will do that um (laughs) not including the quail though i have 49 animals on my property if i included the quail because you have a lot of like avian things yeah if i like your chickens and quail that puts me up to 79 oh my god I have six but cats. It's fine. I'll expect, be the crazy cat lady. <laughs> I don't expect all these quail to like live because they're so they're so little and fragile as babies. Yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah. You know, birds. Um, yeah. but they're fun. They're cute. We have all the eggs. I have. Man, people should be jealous of how many eggs I have right now for free. Because <laughs> right. I think I think I have like fourteen or fifteen dozen eggs in my fridge right now. Holy like we have. Crap. We have so many eggs that I just I feed all the dogs eggs every day. And so I'm just like Oh my god, that's crazy. I know yeah. we're we're talking about like I mean eventually we're gonna get some stuff. Um and and chickens are one of the things that we've talked about for a long time. Even while we were here, we we're like, can we get chickens here? Um, but I think we'll definitely get them there just because we'll have plenty of space and we have the dog kennels that we don't have dogs for, so mm-hmm. they may turn into a chicken coop. Or that might be where some of the cats go if they are crazy and needs their own space. I don't know. We, we still have to figure it out. And like my mom's probably going to end up with a cat or two. So it's like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> How are we spreading out these cats? <laughs> so whatever. It's crazy. Uh, I love it. Gotta love all the animals. <laughs> Yeah. I did get an update on the puppy's mom though the other day and I was super happy about it. Aww. She looks so fat and so happy. Yeah. Um, and she lays on the biggest dog bed in front of a fireplace and it's just amazing. Oh, is she an only dog there? No, she's got two siblings and she loves them to death. They did nice. say like she is still dog aggressive with certain dogs. But the two um, that are in the house with her, she's good with. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Which is how it was here. Like she was fine with certain dogs in my home as well yeah and i honestly think she would have done very well in my home if it wasn't for the puppies yeah yeah um mom's got to get away from their kids that's for sure <laughs> i mean the kids got away got to get away from each other even so this is very true yeah 
Uh, well, I wanted to, before we get into our episode, I wanted to do like a huge shout out um, and just help promote a girl because she just puts a girl. hard work. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys know Laura. Um, so Laura Jones, she's- You should she's, know her. She's been on the podcast. Did she come on the podcast with you? Yeah, she's been, she did our, we got to get her back on. She did our like cystitis episode. <gasps> and stuff like oh, that. that's right. Oh my God. It's been forever. I forgot it's about that. Forever. We'll link to her episodes as well, because I think I, I don't remember if maybe I wasn't there for that one. I don't remember. It's been forever. It was, it's been we'll like link. two years. So, <laughs> um, but Laura, she, she's pretty awesome. Um, she was in your boarding right in your boarding group that sounds like you're getting on a plane in your boarded group so she got her bts the same year you did yes yeah fantastic so she um she got her bts in 2019 Mm -hmm. um in small animal internal medicine and what we like share some of her posts in the in the facebook group but she has a website and i want to talk about it um it's veterinary internal medicine nursing.com because laura is uh an rvn in the uk um, she, she's been like a representative in the UK. She really is putting out some amazing stuff and she has her website, but she also just started a membership with some courses and stuff like that. So, um, I, I would like you guys to go check it out, <laughs> especially if you're in the UK, because obviously she's going to know UK stuff and, um, she does CPD, which is the same as CE over here. But definitely, definitely go check out her stuff. Um, so huge shout out to Laura for launching her stuff. Congratulations. I know <laughs> Jordan and I both know how hard that was and how much work it took to put it all together. Um, but yeah, she's she's doing it, which is exciting. So she's amazing. We'll put the link in the notes somewhere for you guys. Yeah, absolutely uh this is by the way this episode comes out on valentine's day so happy valentine's day valentine's day i personally don't really celebrate valentine's day i don't care i use it as an excuse to buy the quail uh (laughs) (laughs) but otherwise i don't really (laughs) i don't really celebrate valentine's day i can definitely see that yeah (laughs) well matt's been wanting quail for a really long time so i was like happy valentine's day even though i don't right yeah yeah you gave him um, a bird. You gave him the birds. I did for Valentine's. That's Ooh, really that's funny. A, that <laughs> is a good one. <laughs> and um, then actually, wait, I forgot. Oh, right, Valentine's Day because that's the fourteenth. And then is it the twenty fifth? I think it's February twenty fifth. Is when we're doing our monthly CE, and we're talking about blood. <laughs> that we are. Um, so we did that because it's Valentine's Day and blood goes through the heart. And we all, um, as Miss Christie says, um, the heart's the number one organ. We'll, we'll fight on that one. But, you know, for Valentine's Day, we'll say it is. Um, and then just a reminder, Jordan is speaking in the weekend after this episode goes live, right? So if you're, if you're listening to it live, she's at Midwest for the weekend or thursday friday i don't know this week yes i will be i will be in ohio thursday friday i'm not gonna be there long but i'm lecturing all day friday so dang 
Yeah. Someone should be able to find me on Friday, minimally. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be in the same room for like all day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I was just reading today too, where I can go and like get lunch and stuff like that. And I was like, that's, (sighs) I need to find food. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Cool. Man, I got to see if any of my lecture clothes like fit me. Oh no. (laughs) I know they should. I got to make sure I can find all my lecture clothes for, for this weekend because things are packed. I'm pretty sure I kept some lecture clothes out, but I'm a little, I'm a little scared. <laughs> the good thing is, is like, I only need one outfit because I'm only lecturing for one whole day. <laughs> like That's true. That's true. I'm trying to think if this is, I can't remember if I'm doing one day or if it's split this weekend. I feel like it's split this weekend. So I have to have two lecture outfits. So <sighs> whatever. I'll figure something out. (laughs) I'm excited to see my niece and my nephew, though. That'll be fun. Nice. Mm -hmm. That's right, because you're going to hang out with them while you're in Ohio. I get to hang out with my big bro. Talk (laughs) about chickens. That's all we do. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. It's funny. Like, him and I have never really had, like, a bad relationship. Like, we've always, like, we haven't been as close as, like, say, my children are as, like, siblings. Mm -hmm. But, like, we've never been, like... I feel like we've been very typical brother, sister, mm. siblings. Um, but we talk so much more now that we're adults, but we I swear we only talk about chickens. That's it. Like oh my god, it's so funny. Yeah. Like you could maybe try some quail talk next time you see him. So I called him <laughs> and I was like, I bought quail. And he's like, What are quail? And I was like, so I was telling him about so it. So you guys are gonna have quail talks. Yeah, yes. we're gonna have quail talks now. Um <laughs> You're gonna show up and he's gonna be like, Look what I bought. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm hopeful that like he'll let me go to like tractor supply with him or something and I'm gonna talk him into buying like more stuff and like I'm gonna mm. I'm trying to talk him into a goat too um so you know we'll see yeah yeah and I would say Corey if you're listening to this heads up but he doesn't so <laughs> I was gonna say I, I'm sure he's not he's like you're not talking about chickens I don't care <laughs> yeah I bet you if I did talk about chickens he a thousand percent would <laughs> oh my god that was that that would be really funny um so we're we're doing a couple of um your favorite parasite talks um this one, I'm excited about this one because Jordan wrote an article for that was in today's veterinary nurse spring of last year. So, well, let's see. It came out when we were at ACVIM, right? So, so it must I have think, been the summer issue. Then. I think it was the summer issue of 2022. Okay. Yeah. And so this was, it, I thought it was pretty cool because. I don't know. I learned from it when I wrote it, when I read it, I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I learned a lot when writing it. Um, (laughs) and it is about parasites specifically, but, uh, and, and it'll focus, like, we're going to focus a little bit more on specifically hookworms towards the end of it, just because that seems to be what the biggest issue is. But what we're looking at with this episode is parasite burdens and dog parks specifically, because as we all know, as technicians, like parasites are everywhere, Yeah. but dog parks are, I feel like are very underrated when we come, when it comes to thinking about parasites and, and picking up parasites. So we're going to kind of talk about that because like when we think about dog parks and like the risk of dog parks, right, as veterinary professionals, we're thinking things like 
injuries or fighting or even like heat stroke and things like that, right? But we don't really think about the risk of intestinal parasites being a a, a big potential problem. And right. I learned a lot when writing this episode or when writing this article because um, I don't know. To me, parasites have always been like, yeah, dogs get it. Here's a dewormer. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's funny because like, I don't even, I think for me, like I didn't even, I don't know why I didn't think about like where the parasites are coming from. Like, I know that sounds really stupid, <laughs> but I kind of went like, oh, you know, puppies and kitties get it from their moms. Um, there's some that are transmitted from like ectoparasites. And then I was just like, oh, and then water. Like to me, it was just always like this other thing. I didn't like in my head, didn't go the ground, <laughs> right? That has poop and then they run all over the place. And it's like, you know, people aren't picking up their poop appropriately in dog parks. Or obvious sense, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, like when I think about it, I'm like, oh yeah, duh. Of course, a dog park is going to be this huge fomite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of of nasty. Absolutely. <laughs> Yet another like, reason not to go. <laughs> so, but the but the issue is, is like, yeah, while we pick up parasites at the dog park, now it seems like an obvious thing that we talk about, but now it's turning into resistance, right? So, like, yeah. as everybody knows, right, we're having a really big problem in the medical world with antibiotic resistance but we're also starting to see some resistance when it comes to trying to deworm these pets specifically hookworms so again spoiler alert we're going to focus more on hookworms here in a little bit but there is a very 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 big prevalence of uh hookworm resistance and and when trying to get rid of this this parasite and yeah and i i remember i hope we talk about it in your article because specifically like some of the like how it happens yeah like how the resistance and I'm just like oh my god it's crazy so sorry go ahead go ahead so it there (laughs) there was a study that was found that between 80 and 90 percent of dog parks that have been studied across the United States parasites were found in the in the stool samples that were collected from these parasites or from these dog parks obviously and i live in the south but the south is going to have the highest rate of infection so in the dog parks down in the south because it's also more humid so i wonder if like they survive better too yeah we have the ability down here being hot humid and moist that just parasites thrive yeah um but that's that's a significant amount of dog parks that have parasites just hanging out waiting to infect someone else Mm. um which is a bummer i mean because dog so do you wear shoes are... the whole time while they're at you, dog parks you should wear shoes Given i meant like that... the dogs sorry like not not um yeah i'm definitely wearing shoes when i go in the dog park i was like do you want to get into the story about how my husband had cutaneous hookworm <laughs> uh, no ah, no no it was fun no no Mm-mm. arguing with human physicians about hookworm versus ringworm <laughs> nice (laughs) so the most common intestinal parasite though that we can see in dog parks are going to be hookworms giardia as well as whipworms we do see roundworms it just tends to be less common same with tapeworms or even coccidia surprisingly um right we all know where tape 
tapeworms come from, right? So, like, I'm not going to get into the details about that. Coxidia, <laughs> I just think kittens, only kittens. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I mean, and others just, obviously get it, but kittens yeah. for sure. Yeah. And, and roundworms are obviously more of those, like, puppies, right? Like, so that's where mm -hmm. my brain goes when I think of, like, these less right? common dog park parasites. Um, Giardia, though, typically can be found. Uh, and Giardia survives in cold, wet conditions. It can survive for several months. Once Giardia is ingested, those trophozytes uh, mature within the GI tract. And then once they mature, they begin causing symptoms like diarrhea. Sometimes we can see fatty stools, weight loss, occasional blood um, or excess mucus in the stool as well. And then occasionally we can see some vomiting with Giardia as well. But Giardia is often found in these dog parks that contain things like sprinklers or splash pads or wading pools, which all seem great for a dog park, right? Like very engaging for the pet. Uh, you know, I just think of, of like the fountains that kids go into as well. Sorry. Oh, absolutely. Ugh. Absolutely. And we have to remember too that Giardia is zoonotic too, right? So yeah. like a lot of these are zoonotic. I know. I wrote this article and I was like, I'm never taking my children to splash pads ever again. <laughs> <laughs> right? You're like, nah, you're we don't need a hazmat suit. <laughs> They're like, but that's the point of getting there. You get wet. And you're like, no. Yeah. But Ugh. luckily, Giardia is pretty easily eradicated in our pets with very commonly used medications such as metronidazole and fenbendazole. Mm -hmm. um our whipworms or tricaris vulpus which always makes me think of that pokemon um <laughs> tricaris vulpus just makes me think of harry potter tricaris vulpus like it should it's be funny a... that you and i have like different like ideas on that because I, I know of... you're pokemon and i'm like Harry Potter. Yeah. i think of like some fox looking pokemon creature and... <laughs> <laughs> like... well okay it's the vulpus part right yeah <laughs> Um, so whipworms can infect the colon and the cecum, as well as parts of the large intestines. Uh, eggs generally remain dormant in the environment, and they can remain dormant for several years unless they dry out. If they dry out, then they're unable to infect pets, which is great. We want these eggs to dry out. We Which is not. why in a wet environment like the South, they thrive versus in yeah. California up until like, you know, four months ago. They dried out. Ooh, I wonder really if with all of your guys' rain, if you guys are going to see an uptick in like parasites. GI parasites. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. You'd I have to. be surprised. Yeah. So pets can carry whipworm burden without shedding eggs, which is great. But uh, because it can take female whipworms up to 12 weeks usually to begin shedding eggs in the feces. So a lot of these dogs will carry around this burden, <sighs> but not shed it for up to 12 weeks. But after that 12 week period then they're free to shed as they want <laughs> right which um, which is kind of which sucks because right if you're testing for it if they're not shedding eggs they're going to come back as no ova or parasite seen at this time right don't absolutely. say a fecal was negative because you can't say that because they could still have the worms they're just not shedding any right now yep. so say no ova or parasite seen at this time just get yep. that like verbiage in your head <laughs> yeah and it's very, very, very common to get false negatives because of yeah. this. And yeah. it, and also because of this, it's recommended that the treatment for whipworm spans over three months, um, typically with fembendazole, oh, as well as yeah. monthly prevention that uh, whipworms are susceptible to, just to make sure that we cover all of those life cycles. That makes sense. Now, 
on the hookworms. Like I said, this is going to be the bulk of this episode, right? Mm. So there are several different types of hookworm infections, depending on the location of the pet. So, and I'm going to butcher these because I hated. I can do it. Encyclostoma caninum. Yep. And so this tends to be found (laughs) in tropical or subtropical areas like where I live. And then there's, yeah. And encyclostoma brazilianase. So this is generally found usually around like Florida to North Carolina and along the Gulf Coast. So again, where I am. Where she is. <laughs> yep. Uh, Uncenaria stenosophile. <laughs> <laughs> so this type it's of leviosa. <laughs> <laughs> so this type of hookworm is generally found in the cooler regions, though. So areas like Canada and the northern United States. So hookworm. Ooh, so that is, might be where I move. Yep. So it's oh. very, very, you know, like spread the wealth kind of parasite. <laughs> hookworm larva can remain in the soil um, under optimal conditions for several months or longer. Under normal conditions, hookworm larvae tend to remain in the environment for four or five to six weeks. And then, <sighs> which is a, it's a significant amount of time, right? But then they can live <sighs> even longer if it's hot and wet and, you know, nobody's messing around <sighs> in the dirt. I can't. Um, <laughs> once infected, and we're talking about like the oral fecal route of infection here uh, when it comes mm. to like getting into the intestines. I do not go into detail about cutaneous hookworm, even though I do have experience with it. Um. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) I just, it's so sad because I love walking barefoot and like, I just can't think about it. Like if I think about it and the fact that a hookworm could get in, it's just, I can't. I will say treatment's, treatment's still the same. Like it's still just oral I know, but it's the fact that parasite crawling around in your skin. Yeah, I'm sure I have a parasite that I don't even know about because why wouldn't I? I work in veterinary medicine, and I'm just like, ugh. I don't know, dude. Though there's studies coming out now that show that humans actually were a lot healthier when we carried a mild burden of intestinal parasites. Oh, I'm sure. I just, I just. It creeps me out. <laughs> if I if I had a choice between a cutaneous hookworm or a roundworm in the eye, I would choose a cutaneous hookworm. Oh yeah, and the, yeah. What you throw the eyeball in there like that? Just that elevates That's like it a to like a whammy. thousand. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't want to see it floating around in my eyeball because I'm sure I would see it, and that would just. Uh, yeah, nope. when I got my nope. eye ulcer, of course, I was, like, Googling, even though <sighs> I knew, like, I was 99% sure I had an eye ulcer, but, like, yeah. of course, I was Googling my symptoms because I was, like, I, I can see the spot on my eye, which is unusual for an ulcer, I think, so, like, I was <laughs> Googling. Like, oh, my God, I have a brain aneurysm. <laughs> no, and then it was, like, well, it could be a parasite in the eye, and I was, like, oh, no, my chickens gave me a roundworm in the eye. <laughs> like, oh, God. Ugh. So I I was worried about that there for a minute. So like the first couple of days, and then I ended up, did I ever tell you I ended up being like allergic to the antibiotic eye drop that I was giving myself? Shut up. I just stuck with it because like <laughs> the allergic reaction was just itching and swelling. So like, I was just- That's like, all. Just inflammation. Ulcer, <laughs> but the ulcer itself was going away. So I was just uh... like dealing with it. 
even though my eye was like super uncomfortable and itchy and swollen it was <laughs> i would like to find some medication i'm no longer allergic to but it seems to be like every new medication i try i'm allergic to it Ugh, um you your immune system is just mad i know i gotta figure out like i, I need to find my reset button i haven't figured Ugh. out where it is yeah so anyway um back to our hookworms so i just don't want to (laughs) you're gonna love this series yvonne (laughs) yeah thanks (laughs) so once pets are infected with hookworms they're called hookworms because they have hook-like mouth parts and these parts attach themselves to the lining of the intestinal walls which i will say looks really cool on endosc and on endoscopy but (laughs) never found a worm in endoscopy you shouldn't find a worm on endoscopy (laughs) exactly (laughs) we found a worm on endoscopy because we were like there was a known colon mass Mm -hmm. we were looking at the mass and taking samples of the mass and incidentally found worms yeah i remember we posted that picture in our facebook group yeah it got a lot of love and a lot of cringe at the same time (laughs) right Yeah. yeah Um, so anyway, once in the intestinal wall, though, typically these worms will ingest large amounts of blood from these tiny little blood vessels within the intestinal wall. And then, as I said, though, we, we can get hookworm infections through oral transmission, through the skin, it's a cutaneous infection, through the placenta before birth, or even through mother's milk. So, you know, again, equal opportunity employers here, (laughs) hookworms, they are. (laughs) Uh, the nice thing about these these do not take only you know months to mature this is just a couple weeks which is good oh yeah unlike whipworms these guys only take two to three weeks for larva hookworm to mature and produce eggs so once they are mature enough to produce eggs these female hookworms will then shed hundreds of eggs within the stool of an infected dog and it just contaminates the environment everywhere as everybody who is listening, I'm sure, has probably seen hookworm on a microscope. Uh, mm. It's you're you're typically seeing quite a few eggs at a time. Yeah, yeah. So hook hookworm larvae can though burrow into the skin, as we've talked about. It can migrate to the trachea or even the lungs and be coughed up and then swallowed into the intestinal tract, which can and does happen pretty often. <laughs> Um, they can even migrate through the muscle and just become dormant and hang out there. <laughs> they go where they want, except for the eyeball. Cringy. Yeah, Are you okay? Yeah. Are you going to make it? Are we going to uh, make it through this episode? I don't know. <laughs> so where we see the problem though, and this is where the dog parks kind of come in, right? Like, so where we see the problem though, is that these hookworm infections are becoming resistant. So they become to resistant multi-antelmintic drug um, <laughs> resistance. Specifically, though, for... And cyclostoma caninum. Yeah. You're like my Google Translator. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> so why are we seeing resistance, though, with, with hookworms, right? Like This part is going to blow your minds, guys. It blew our minds when we read this. Yeah. So... It's likely, this is a thought, it's a it's a hypothesis of where this resistance is coming from, right? I'm not throwing blame. I personally love racing greyhounds. But 
it is thought that the rise in hookworm infections is stemming from all the retired racing greyhounds that have hit the and this is this is like there the the parasites became resistant while these dogs were living in the racetracks in yes. the racetracks because yep. and this is i mean this is like one of those soapboxes for veterinary professionals in general right like if mm-hmm. we tell you to give a dose of a drug give the dose of the drug because what ended up happening which is crazy to me is that these racing greyhounds were giving subtherapeutic doses of the um antihelmintics and so what was happening was the weak worms were dying off but those other ones just kept going and so they became more and more resistant to the antiparasitic drugs which sucks and so mm-hmm. once they're retired and this is also you know the there was a huge population that came from Florida settled into the Southern U S. And so that's kind of where, you know, when they were looking at some of these dog parks, there was this huge population and they noticed that there was a ton of retired racing dogs um, in this area. And And, and through no fault of these new owners, right? No, it was before they got them. Yep. This is very much thought to be due to the less than ideal conditions that these greyhounds were in and then transported to these domesticated homes, right. Without the proper treatment of intestinal parasitic, uh, applications, right. Which is, is kind of crazy if you think about it, because some of these parasites are zoonotic, like people could also be getting these parasites that are now resistant. Yeah, absolutely. So why do, why do we think that this happened? Right. And like, how are they making their way to the dog park? Kind of already alluded to this, right? So like we had the retired racing greyhounds, a lot of them from Florida, they were all shipped to new homes and they're loving and great. And now going to dog parks and making their way around, just being happy, loving dogs. And again, because these greyhounds are so used to this burden, they're not going to show the same signs that our normal domesticated Frenchies and whatever can show that also go to the dog park. Right. So or it, people are like, they're just stressed. That's why they're having diarrhea. Yeah, absolutely. But it is thought that the resistance comes from the misuse of these dewormers, right? So in these, these racetrack type settings and these kennels that these dogs were in, these, these dogs, these racing dogs had set schedules to give dewormer, right? But the dosing could have been off. It mm. could have been dosed too much, too often, too little, it wasn't done properly like it should have been done, right? And it was also common too that a lot of these dewormers were used or were that were used were approved for the administration to livestock, right? And they were being used in our domesticated dogs, which as we all know is the same drug, but they're at different con- concentration levels too, right? Like we all know that we can go to a lot of feed stores and things like that and we can buy dewormers online, right? Um, and it does tend to be cheaper when we buy it in bulk for things like cattle and stuff like that, but then we use it dog for dogs. So that's what was happening a lot in these racetrack type settings is that these dogs were being misdosed or not treating appropriately with the appropriate frequency of these dewormers to properly eradicate the intestinal burden of these parasites. So it's been reported now though that a lot of these dogs that are domesticated and even not including just these greyhounds right so a lot of the dogs who are getting infected with these resistant hookworms 
are not responding to things like our moxidectin um, and continue to shed the hookworm eggs within the environment. And with this... And cyclostona canaenum. Being the most common resistant form compared to the other three that we... Or the other two types of hookworms that we talked about earlier. So... It was really not that long ago that that these racing greyhounds did find new homes, right? So this led to more greyhounds just unknowingly carrying a resistant parasite, going to more frequent places, including dog parks, dog kennels, things like that, right? Again, no fault of anybody who owns these now domesticated racing dogs, right? Because again, a lot of these greyhounds were very used to carrying this burden and just kind of like, if they did have diarrhea, it wasn't something as significant that would make someone think that something was wrong. So these these infections, though, do have the ability to cause significant symptoms such as GI distress. And because of the if if the burden gets large enough, we can see significant blood loss. And so then we can see anemia. Right. So a lot of times, though, our dogs that we do see this resistant burden in though we're going to note some weight loss dull hair coat bloody diarrhea again we kind of already talked about how they can migrate into the lungs and and cough up and then swallow the larva back into the gi tract so we can see coughing with severe infections as well which is something that we don't think about in clinic right we can see some skin irritation and itching if we have a migrating larva that might just be a cutaneous infection instead especially if it became infected by a largely infested environment. So typically in the paws is where we're going to see this skin irritation and this itching. And then currently in dogs, though, the medications approved for treatment is going to be pyrantal, moxidectin, and fembendazole. And all these medications are used to kill the susceptible hookworms. But the resistant forms, though, will then predominate and shed in the stool. So while we're killing some hookworm, We're not killing all, right? So what's happening then is that these hookworms are just becoming more and more and more resistant to these common medications, pyrantal, moxidectin, and fembendazole, and that they're still shedding into the environment. So what's being done to fix this problem, right? So in September of 2021, the American Association of Veterinary Parasitologists, or the AAVP, They developed a national hookworm task force, really, to further investigate the drug resistance of this hookworm parasite. So what classifies infections as drug resistant, right? These hookworm infections that were resistant to two or more drug classes of FDA-approved medications, right? So typically, a hookworm that might be resistant to one drug but is not resistant to the rest is not considered a resistant infection. So how are we going to identify resistant infection, right? Because this is going to fall on in-clinic use, right? So it's recommended by the task force to perform centrifugation fecal examinations 12 to 14 days after treating a dog that has been identified with a hookworm infection. It's then also recommended to use a fecal egg count reduction test to determine if, in fact, the treatment is aiding the pet. So what we're looking for there is we're going to want to see if there actually is a true egg count reduction in order to tell us if the treatment is working. The failure of treatment is said that it should be reported to the product manufacturer of the dewormer or to the Food and Drug Administration or the FDA. 
So when wherever, whenever we see this failure of treatment, it really should be reported. So that way this task force can actually take that, that information and, and work with it and try to figure out a plan of action. Um, some re researchers have found that using Meadow-Depside, which is a, a dewormer that's approved for use in Europe, could have some eff uh, efficacy towards resistant herpworm infections. Although, again, this hasn't been approved for use yet in the United States. And there are risks of this drug being used in patients that are co-infected with hookworm infections as well as heartworm microfilaria. So there is a greater risk if the pet is carrying microfilaria that this emodepside can cause rapid death of the heartworm microfilaria. And this in turn can cause an anaphylactic reaction in patients from those microfilaria dying. So that is more kind of like a, like a heartworm complication versus a hookworm complication, but the drug specifically can cause that. So currently there is a topical solution of this product, uh, emodepside with proziquantel that is approved for use in cats by the FDA, but this product is ineffective in dogs, unfortunately. So cats seem to be well covered, although this resistance issue isn't as big of an issue in cats yet. Of course, we, we could probably see it rising in some of our feral cat colonies here probably pretty soon um so what are we going to do about it right so it's really important that we inform pet owners of the risks and pop possibility of infection to their dogs as well as themselves right because it is a zoonotic potential the risk is higher if pets venture to places such as dog parks obviously that that was kind of the whole premise of this um but it's not just the risk for resistant hookworm infections, but other parasites as well, including Giardia and whipworm infections that we talked about earlier. So it really is important to kind of urge pet owners to give their heartworm prevention according to the instructions, whether it be monthly or every six months, but not only for the prevention of heartworm disease, but to reduce the risk of intestinal parasitic burdens as well. And then monitoring patients with fecal examinations can also inform pet owners if their pets are carrying those parasitic burdens prior to going to the dog park or boarding facilities, just as like kind of a common courtesy, right? Like we want to be respectful of the areas that the, that our pets are going into. So again, trying like, I know a lot of clinics recommend year, at least yearly fecal testing, if not every six months. And I think that's great. I think as the role of veterinary professionals as our CSRs or our veterinary assistants or veterinary technicians and our veterinary nurses, right? This, this education as to why this fecal testing is important can come from us. And, and it takes us learning things like this resistant hookworm infection to kind of be able to pass that along, right? And then again, it's really urged to report possible resistance as well to the proper companies, just because that can lead to better studies of FSK efficacy needed to ensure that these parasitic burdens are removed from the general pop population. So again, falling back heavily on the client education of proper handling and cleaning of shedding feces is important to protect themselves as well as protect others. Um, as long as pet parents are not cleaning up after their pets, right? The risk of spreading intestinal parasite burdens is huge, right? So we know that not everybody is going to pick up their dog's poop. We're realistic humans. And we know that that's just how it works. But the more we can educate clients as to like, no, for real, like in order to protect yourselves so you can walk around barefoot in your backyard, 
you need to clean up after your pets. This not only affects pets around the United States, but has a potential to pose threats to humans as well. So it is important that pet parents note the signs of possible parasite burdens so that they might seek treatment sooner. And the the drug resistant hookworms is a great it's it's a growing threat across the United States. And as veterinary professionals, we we can at least try to stop it or decrease the burden a little bit. So I know not ideal that we want to talk about parasites and worms forever, but you know, here we are. <laughs> Dude, I'm sorry. Like, you know how you know my stance on parasites. I do. <laughs> so this is just crazy. But and I mean, again, it's it's the improper use of medications. We get drug-resistant bacteria, drug-resistant parasites. I strongly feel like parasites will take over the world. This is yet another vote for that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, but I I hope you guys learn from it and definitely check out the article Jordan wrote. And, you know, if you see her at our conference and you have today's veterinary nurse, you can always ask for her autograph because I did that to her last year. I made her autograph my, 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 my article from her that she wrote. I forgot you made me do that. <laughs> I was like, sign your article. <laughs> it's so funny too, because I lost that copy. I gotta, I gotta see if someone will send me another copy of it. Oh, I don't have a copy of the magazine. I wonder if I do in a box. It is not in what? my office at the moment. Cause there's nothing in my office. <laughs> when you unpack your new house, let me I'll know. send you, I'll send you like a, a care package. Yeah. <laughs> But, but thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in listening. Yes, we are talking about parasites for the next couple of weeks. So heads mm-hmm. up if you want to skip this series, if you're like Yvonne. We'll go sit in a bar somewhere and just not think about parasites. <laughs> yeah. But thank you so much for listening, making commitments to learning. I hope everybody has a great week and we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.